0: And the Soundcheck, a podcast taking you backstage and behind the scenes with musicians and people from all around the music industry. I'm Tiana Speeder, host of Behind the Soundcheck, and today it brings us up to episode seven of season two. Now, there's going to be 10 episodes all up for this season, so that means there are only three more to go after this episode today. And so far, it's been a very fun run of unexpectedly restarting this podcast this year. And if you have been listening, I hope you've been enjoying the chat so far. And if this is your first time tuning in, welcome, hello, and I will try to keep the accidental puns to a minimum. To catch you up on last week's episode, the sensational Alex Reed, aka the new keyboardist and vocalist for Metal Leviathan's Make Them Suffer, joined me on the podcast smack dab in between a bunch of sold-out shows around the country. From chatting about her classically-laced musical upbringing to her fateful journey that led to her joining the Make Them Suffer story, Alex's own story is not only inspiring, it's also an incredible testament to hard work and perseverance. And it was also just a really fun insight into the brand new chapter for the band in general. Make Them Suffer have of course just wrapped up their completely sold out run, celebrating the new single Doom Switch. So keep your eyes and ears out for more epic noise from Make Them Suffer, hopefully in the not too distant future. This definitely won't be the last time we hear from them. And speaking of Make Them Suffer, or should I say Make Them Suffer's music videos, it is no coincidence who my guest is for today's episode for anyone who caught the eye-popping visuals for the music video that accompanied Doom Switch when it dropped just a few weeks ago. Well, today I am joined by the very man who was behind the camera for that clip, none other than Colin Jeffs, an incredibly gifted videographer, musician, and more. Professionally, Colin has been the driving creative force behind a horde of music videos, brand content, and wedding videos. Over the years, he's been developing his Ten of Swords media brand, and he also has a heap of other projects on the go. And fittingly, given that he films weddings from time to time in his very busy schedule, I actually first met Colin at his own wedding last year. Shout out to Colin and his beautiful wife, Re. And I should also note I was an actual invited guest. I'm not a full-blown wedding crasher yet. But back to Colin, an extremely passionate storyteller and one of the hardest working directors, filmmakers and editors in town. Colin's resume in the music realms alone covers recent music videos for the likes of Diamond Construct, Jacob Lee, who was also my first guest for season two of this very podcast, as well as yours truly, Justin Miller, Alpha Wolf and an insane amount of others. But it's not just behind the camera where Colin's creative talents lie, having previously lent his guttural vocals as the frontman for Aussie metal titans Aversion's Crown. He's also appeared in bands like Heaven's Lost, Widow the Sea and Tongues in his previous creative endeavours. And Colin's command as a creative in every facet has seen him constantly in demand as he's grown more into these visual realms, with Colin also recently teaming up with Sony Australia to run music video-centric workshops this November, where Colin himself will guide intimate groups intensively through the ins and outs of bringing an unforgettable music video to life from start to finish. But before all of that and before Colin continues to do some pretty crazy stuff behind the camera as you'll hear today, Colin joins me now to chat about his own musical journey – developing his love for heavy music, some of his own personal favorite music videos, the time that he had to make two dogs act on cue, and a whole lot more. Here he is. And I am joined now by the one, the only, Mr. Colin Jeffs. Colin, thank you for joining me on Behind the Soundcheck today.
1: Yo, yo. What up, Tiana? Thanks for having me.
0: up? It's awesome. Well, poetically, I had the lovely Alex from Make Them Suffer on last week's episode chatting about their new clip for Doom Switch. And uh, it's no coincidence (laughs) that I've got you on this week, but that was, of course, some of your incredible handiwork bringing that music video to life. Definitely not your first rodeo. I think I've lost count of how many clips of yours have come through my inbox this year alone. You're an insanely busy man at the best of times, but you also have a pretty extensive musical history in your wake as well. So like, To pick a point to start with, because we could start anywhere with you and talk for about 10 years, I feel, but let's go back a ways for a moment and start off. When did your interest in music and like music-related endeavours actually first ignite?
1: Oh, wow. Going back, um, definitely when I was a kid, I always wanted to be in a band. (laughs) So um, I think our first band, my first band, probably would have been when I was maybe 13 or 14 years old, mucking around in music school. We did actually play gigs though, so funnily enough... But, um, yeah, music school with friends um, started off wanting to sound like the first record that I ever brought was the offspring smash. hell yes,
0: that. hell yes. and
1: I think that was when the interest kind of started because I was like, yo, this is this is it. yeah and um yeah, just mucking around with friends in, in music class. I think we played co- covers of like corn, um. I think we played like covers of like Disturbed and things like that. So um, that was it. Yeah.
0: Not many people can say like everyone has the same old trope of like, oh, I was in a band as a teenager, but you were actually playing gigs. Like what was that first gig? What was your first official gig that you played as a bloody 13, 14 year old, you overachiever?
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So if we don't count, so there's a couple of like first official gigs. So, mm-hmm. I mean, our first official gig is at school, but like that's not really an official gig because I don't know, like, you know, kids come and watch you during lunchtime. You're playing a show um, in, like, a demountable building. Um, I don't know if that's if that's an official gig, but the first real gig that we played was a Battle of the Bands, um, and it was at a, a pub on the outskirts of Bendigo. Sweet. And from memory, it was hosted by a bikey gang, by a bikey club at the time. And um, we sort of, like, rocked up and played uh, – you know, I can't remember what we played. I think we had like three original songs, and then probably played a couple of covers. I think we, yeah. You know what? I reckon we played a Cold Chamber Loco cover. Yes. Um, at our first gig when we were fourteen years old, and um, we got booed, and <sighs> and I was like, "Whoa, this is um, this is brutal." But I want to do heaps more of this. So yeah, yeah even a, some grumpy old bikies couldn't stop me from wanting to play more Cold Chamber covers.
0: Dude, how is that like the best first gig story of all time? I ask people that a lot and I feel like that's <laughs> going to be a big one to be going forward for me.
1: God damn it. Planned play, play loco by Cole Chamber to a bunch of pissed bikies. Yep. Getting pretty-
0: booed as a teenager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like it clearly like led to some incredible stuff. And like, of course, later on, you joined A Virgin's Crown. Beyond that, you had tongues as well. You spoke about the offspring there. Like, was that what really kickstarted your heavy music? Because I did go digging, not stalking, but digging. And I read that you were (laughs) kind of into dire straits back in the day. Like, what did you kind of grow up? What was your bread and butter musically growing up?
1: Yeah, well, my mother was massive. It was a massive Mark Knopfler fan. So um, she was always pumping dire straits. So... And I mean, Dire Straits have their fair share of like, um, you know, I don't know if you'd say it was heavy, but it was definitely like rock yeah. and it was definitely, you know, it had an edge, like it wasn't, uh, it wasn't jazz. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I guess that um, my mother was always pretty, you know, pretty wild. She didn't like the screaming. She didn't like screaming music um, and she didn't like swearing in music. Um, same, so she didn't same. love, she, <laughs> I think that's a, that's a parent's thing, but um, she didn't love the offspring but um i think that she always yeah you know encouraged an interest in music she was um she's like a trained spanish guitar player so she is an absolute shred up actually everybody in my family is was super talented and i just ended up joining a death metal band which is uh pretty funny <laughs> but um she always encourages she lets have band practices at our at our house our friends would come around we'd plug in amps and just make an absolute racket um and yeah, that was that was just the early days. But yeah, I always had um good encouragement from my mother um towards, you know, being in a band, being a musician, doing the thing. So,
0: yeah. And I love that you kind of had a bit of a well-rounded thing going on. Like, when was the moment that you realized you could sing like that? Because dude, like those vocals are just insane. Like, when, <laughs> was it just like you imitating what you were hearing or did you just like, you know, ripping it in the shower and just having a crack?
1: I think um, it's one of those things like when you're a kid... Um, you know, we were you know we were angry teenagers from like Central Victoria. So for us, it was just the faster, the heavier, the angrier, the more low tuned um, that we could go, the better. So you know, it started off with things like corn when we were when we were little kids, and then it evolved into you know things like. Switch engage, and um, I think when I first heard my kind of like first light bulb moment, I think with music was um, the Black Dahlia murder, their first album, um, Unhallowed. It's sort of like to hear Trevor, rest in peace, Trevor, by the way. Um, but to hear kind of the way that he was doing like high vocals and low vocals, I think this will be a similar story across a lot of like I reckon heavy vocalists that you talk to will have this same story, but. Um, kind of hearing how he was doing that, that was that moment for me where I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to do something that is, that kind of sounds like this. This was the, That was the first time that I was like, wow, this is, this is what I have to do. Mm. So, um, from there, you know, it was just, yeah, I guess like imitating and just trying to develop that style. A lot of my early bands, um, sounded like the Black Dahlia Murder. It wasn't sort of until a versions Crown that you know, I started to peel away from that kind of melodic death metal sound and started to do some more extreme kind of stuff. Versions of Crown was like a lot of lows, a lot of like you know, more gurgly, grindy kind of vocals and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's you know, it's a bit of a it was a bit of a um story that. Once throughout all that sort of stuff, but.
0: yeah. And if I keep going the way I am today, losing my voice, I might be able to give you a run for your money vocally. So watch <laughs> out. <laughs>
1: Although I don't. I think reckon, I'll get you, reckon there. you would. It's been a little minute since I've uh, since I've done death metal vocals. So oh, yeah. I, reckon I don't you, want. I, reckon, I
0: don't want charity. I'll wait till you, but we'll we'll get you all warmed <laughs> up. But tell me too, like, as I touched on at the start. Obviously, like alongside this too, you have blazed some incredible trails in the visual mediums. Like you're an incredibly talented filmmaker and storyteller. How did all of this evolve with all the other stuff? Was it just, again, organically happening because of the music you were getting into and all the stuff you were doing or was it always something you intended to turn your head to?
1: Um, I think early days it wouldn't have been something that I wanted to get into but as, you know, you know, you develop as an artist, you see, you meet and see other artists and how they kind of do things. You start to, you know, become more attracted to other forms of art. I've always been like an illustrator, painter, um, you know, into drawing, all of that sort of stuff when I was younger. Um, then, you know, music kind of took precedent and kind of took over my entire life for a very long time there. Um, when I sort of was in the band, you know, we were doing music videos. Um, we were you know, filming our sets live, you know, we were making like tour documentary stuff, like, you know, you take a GoPro, things like that. And I always had an interest in like, you know, gadgetry. I mean, I'm a huge nerd, so I love gadgets, I love art. And I kind of feel like cameras for me is just the perfect marrying of those two interests, really, like it's it's gadgety and it's kind of artistic as well. So um, when I finished doing the music, when I finished doing the bands, um, I kind of took a year off everything because I was a little burnt out creatively um which needed some time and then i was kind of like all right i'm pretty i'm pretty bored like what's gonna be the next thing um and it was cameras you know i sort of picked up um i picked up a camera and i felt right at home the exact same creative energy that i used to write music and um write songs and you know tell stories i was sort of like all right this is super comfortable for me um this is going to be the new thing and yeah, here we are.
0: And here we fucking are. Like have you at this point, I have you lost count how many you've done? Like you just seem to be working non-stop with them. Like, what do we are? Like count why
1: music videos. Yeah. Uh, oh man, dude. It, it would have to be it had gotta be over 150. Yeah. Um, but I mean it's probably worth mentioning. We've only been shooting for four years. So um yeah, you know, we've probably shot around 150 music videos in four years. But I mean it's Again, it's worth mentioning like we don't just shoot music videos, we shoot weddings, we shoot, um, you know, a whole manner of um, projects. So, but yeah, I'd say around 150. I mean, this year alone, it's like 60 music videos. So,
0: Yeah, hot damn. Picking up the quota. Uh, Um, Like with all these clips, I think, even interestingly seeing like some of the comments on a lot of the videos, they're just like, oh my God, like whoever made this needs, you know, just to have all of the accolades given to them. Like you've just got this incredible flair about it. And you've also filmed in like an insane array of things. Like I just spied recently, I think you put it up today that you shot in a blizzard, like no big deal. Like has there been a moment where you're just doing it and you're like, Oh, I'm in danger or like just something that's been really, really out of the ordinary in this time.
1: Yeah. Every time, every time I'm always in danger. (laughs) It's never, um, yeah. There's definitely been a few of those oh shit moments, um, you know, climbing things, climbing up onto things that I probably shouldn't climb up onto to get shots. Um, you know, we're filming. Yeah, we filmed for Black Lava, I think, you know, a month or two ago and it was just a snowstorm and we were kind of like, we need to get these shots. So we made it happen. Um, it was it was a lot, but uh, it was harder on everyone, but, you know, we got it and it's a sick video. So, you know, it's worth it. Um, and then we went and shot with fire the next day. so. You know, uh, it's um. I remember one of the, the the worst. We've had two two of those moments where I'm kind of like these are the worst moments in um in doing this. And one of them, the first one, the first one of those moments comes from Diamond Construct Submerged. Um, that was we actually assisted Ed Reese. Ed Reese was the director on that one, and um, me and my buddy Ramsey came in to assist. And that was kind of one of those oh shit moments where. We drove from the Gold Coast, like to, it was like just outside Newcastle. Um, so that's, you know, uh, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 hour drive. Um, no, how long, how long would have that been? Maybe, maybe nine hours. I don't know. But it was like the whole day driving. Then we shot this music video all night um, oh. carrying. Generators through a swamp. It started raining. Um, The rain got into, like, his red camera. One of those blew up. And then a power board got kicked into a puddle. Then all power blew up. The generator blew up. It was just one of those moments where it was one of my first music videos as well that I'd ever been on. Um, And it kind of like set the precedent. And I was like, yo, because I sort of looked up to Ed and I'm like, this is the guy in Australia. Um, and then to sort of see how it was done, I was like, okay, you know, this is how it's done. It is a fucking nightmarish hell. Um, but it didn't lull me into like a false sense of security. So I think that was that was one of my horror stories. The second one was Jacob, and he hates me telling the story. <laughs> he, does, he, does, he doesn't like me telling it because he thinks that my recollection of events is inaccurate. But... We were shooting a music video for him. We had dogs. Um, these two trained dogs that were um, part of the shoot, and it was like forty degrees. We're shooting in this train carriage, um, this old hundred-year-old train carriage. It's like forty degrees outside, and he wanted these dogs to to cuddle and have this moment, like cuddle like human beings. And the trainer was sort of like, "Oh, Jacob, you know, we can't we can't make them do that." And Jacob, even though he swears black and blue, he didn't say this. He was like. <laughs> Well, you know, well, this is what I want, right? <laughs> and and I just had this moment where I was like, I'm gonna murder this dude. I'm gonna fucking murder this dude. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Ramsey sorted out the situation. It was like, you go outside. You have a breath. We'll get the dogs to, to cuddle, it'll be okay. So we got through it. We ended up winning an award for that music video. So it was all worth it. <laughs> but um those, those are probably my two moments where I was like, fuck man, this is this is the hard one. <laughs>
0: well, they always say like, you know, don't work with animals or something, but then also you need them to like act on cue. But hey, it's like oh, man. you can't argue with the end results sometimes. So it's good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, yeah, that's it. When you get, you get there in the end.
0: That's it. Oh, look, that's sometimes all that matters. But like, I know as you touched on with Ten of Swords, like you do do band stuff, wedding stuff, brand stuff, like you're not locked into just one thing. What is potentially the biggest misconception about what you do as a videographer in these kind of moments that people may not be aware of or stuff that like could be good advice for anyone who is looking to engage a videographer for a creative project?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, i don't know if it's a misconception but like this job is not easy like i think people kind of look at music videos and think oh you know this looks like super fun because they kind of see the end product you know they see you know if it's a fun music video or if it's like this you know there's heaps of lighting or whatever and they're like this is cool this like this looks like a, a fun kind of a job and like yeah it is a fun job and i love it but it's brutal like it is it is brutal on me um you know, shooting every week—it's—it's uh, it's hard work, and I think that I kind of didn't realize that until yeah, until I started shooting those clips like with Ed and people, where I'm like, this is, this is like hell. Like yeah. it's, uh, it's um, it is very rewarding though. So you know, when you kind of deliver that, you know, that that final piece to um, you know, a band or you know a bride or a brand or you know whoever you're sort of working with, and they mm. just sort of say, I absolutely love this. Um, it kind of, I don't know, makes you feel good as an artist, makes you feel good as a creator. Um, yeah, I get I get a lot out of it. So it's a double-edged sword, I think.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing, as long as you're still getting like that nice simultaneous thing of like having some challenges, but not one so far that they push you completely over the edge. Like it's, you know, because it's too boring otherwise. Not, you can't, not yeah. Not We're yet. Still here. <laughs> yes, let's keep going with the track record. But <laughs> Alongside filming everyone in town and beyond of late, you also have some incredible masterclasses about to happen. Can you dish on that? What does this all entail and how can people check it out?
1: Yeah, cool. Um, so Sony contacted me and they wanted to team up. They wanted to make something really cool for new creators coming out um, that wanted to get into music videos, I think. Um like kind of the old school way of doing music videos where you need, you know, like a 20 person crew, you need like a hundred thousand dollar budget, you know, you need kind of all these things to make good visuals. I'm sure that those things still exist. um, But basically what we're doing is, um, you know, kind of like pulling back the curtain on how we do music videos, how you can do music videos with a smaller kit, with a smaller equipment and um, just make beautiful visuals. Because I think that, um, a common misconception is that you need this enormous team to make a banger, and it's just not true. A lot of the music videos that make them suffer—one, for example, was made with two or three people um, in an evening—and has what's what's the view count on that now? I don't know. It's probably hectic. on like three three hundred thousand in like a few days. So yeah. Um, yeah, we're we're running a a class with Sony with Sony cameras um, and showing people how we do it, like an end to end, all encompassing. You know, you can sort of like have, have a small camera and one light from Bunnings and you can make beautiful visuals or, you know, you can have a big cinema camera and you can have $100,000 worth of lighting and you can also make um, beautiful visuals. But uh, yeah, we've teamed up with them. There's going to be, um, I can probably provide you with a link. There's like a ticket link. They're going to be small, intimate classes. There's going to be one in November um the 15th, it's gonna be in Sydney, um in Sydney props, and then there'll be one in Melbourne on November 17th. There will be small groups, but um I'm gonna basically pull back the curtain. I'm gonna I'm gonna show them everything that I do. So if uh, if that sounds like you, come through and it'll be be a good time.
0: I think that's really important too, because I think there's I don't know about you, but for a lot of stuff I've been doing over the years, it's less of a situation now, but there's been a lot of gatekeeping with A lot of stuff. And I think it's really important. Like, obviously, you're not going to sit there and give away every single thing and give your entire self to someone else. But it's really, really awesome to have people because, you know, all these younger people are coming up. A lot of us, like, I didn't even know what I do now is something I could have done as a job because no one shared it with me and no one gave me that opportunity. So I really think it's awesome. And yeah, it's just really nice to see, you know, a brand like Sony getting behind this and someone like yourself. It just, yeah, it's really, really inspiring.
1: Yeah, it's super wholesome. I was, um, Yeah. I was super stoked um, when Sony reached out and they're like, we want to make something cool. I was like, yo, you know, that's, that's sick. That's a cool thing. Like doing something for the community, doing something for for artists. And I mean, yeah, same thing. Like when I started, you know, trying to get information on how to make cool visuals or, um, you know, even just like reaching out to like local community and stuff, no one wanted to help me. No one wanted to know about it. You know, everyone sort of like wants to, you know, just hang shit on you or just sort of tell you what you're doing wrong or like no one, you know, in saying that there was a handful of guys that, um that sort of, that sort of did take me under their wing and sort of say, you know, this is, this is what's up. Have you thought about this and things like that? And I was like, okay, cool. And I was super grateful for those people, but um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of just, I just want to help people. I just want to do something cool for people.
0: I love this. Well, I know we've kind of had a bit more like lengthy serious chats about more of your career, but I want to kind of get a few little quick and, you know, slightly <laughs> deeper little fun questions into about who Colin Jeffs is as a person. So to start <laughs> off with, let's go real basic. What's your favorite music video of all time other than your own? Although you you probably can pick your own if you want to.
1: Um, My my personal favorite music video of all time. Ah, um, oh, fuck it. I'm going to pick my own. I, my favorite music video is Hit It Back. It's my Hell favorite. Yes. That's my number one. It's Peter so good. Yeah, and yeah, tell me, was what...
0: that as fun to make as it looks? Because, like, damn, <laughs> Diamond Construct <laughs> makes everything look fun.
1: Yeah, we tried to keep it fun. Those guys are super fun humans to be around. Um, so it was as fun as it could be, but a lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into making that video. So, um, but yeah, it it was was fun at times and and hard at, at others, but um, yes. definitely definitely worth it.
0: A good balance, as always. <laughs> um, so as someone who's probably been to an insane amount of live shows, obviously performing and as other, but what's been a f- your favorite live show that you've been to as a punter? Like what absolutely blew your mind when you went and saw a band live in action?
1: Ooh, um, let me think about that because... It's a non the spot tough. question.
0: You can take a moment. I, I can edit a pause it's, out.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough because, you know, I can sort of say the best band that I've ever seen live um, you know, the best bands among them would be, I saw Behemoth at the hi-fi bar and it just, I feel like it just was so immense. It changed my life. But I also saw Norma Jean play at the Corner Hotel and I just feel like that just stayed with me. Like they kind of like mixed up their songs. They broke up like one song and then put another song in the middle. And I was like, you know, that's just, that's just like blown my mind. Um, those were kind of early days. In recent times, I have to say that Sunk Loto show that I saw you at, like, just the the nostalgia could not be contained. And like, I've definitely had like more fun at shows and seeing seeing bands. But I think as an adult man and just having that wave of nostalgia wash over you, um, that that Sunk Loto show was just like, wow! I cannot believe how good this band is and how you know happy this is just making me as as a person right now. So there's there's three for you. You, you chose very
0: well. Absolutely. Oh, and that, <laughs> that song show, like, like, you could feel that palpable energy, but then they were on stage and it was like, how... Are they, not that they were ever bad, but how are they better than they ever were? Like, how dare they? I
1: incredible. just couldn't even imagine, like, you know, not playing a show for 15 years and coming back and being like the best live band in Australia. I yep. was just like, this is, this should be illegal.
0: Yep. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, but like you said, it just, it's something that just, I think we all need after the past few years as well. It's been really exciting to have that. Well, second yeah. last question, then you're nearly off the hook. What's been an album? (laughs) What's been your top album of 2022 so far? Have you had time to actually listen to an album at this point?
1: Mm, I'll even allow
0: a single if that makes life easier.
1: (laughs) Can I, can I like, let me just, let me just reference, let me just have a look at my Spotify.
0: Do it. That's the only way I can remember shit.
1: Oh, I can't I can't narrow it down I can't narrow it down to one So I'm just going to plug two Do it And this is this is the honest truth This is the honest truth Not because I'm friends with them um, But my two favourite artists And my most exciting artists this year And two artists that I can't stop listening to Is Clay J Gladstone I just can't put it down I'm sorry I know that that sounds like I'm just plugging people that I work with But I can't stop listening to it Just emo revival is real Yes The fact that the fact that they're dudes that are my age that are just making some of the best, (laughs) the best emo going around. I'm so into it. Uh, I can't stop listening to it. It makes me so happy when it comes on. And my other one is my guy, Justin Miller. Um, yeah, just honestly, like those two songs that he's released, Not not Acting Right and uh, Fake Fuck, like, I don't know, they're just so much fun. They just get a party going whenever they come on at our house. Or we've got people around drinking, if we're having a barbecue, whatever, everyone loves it. Um, those two artists right now are just, uh, for me, yeah, they're probably going to be my top my top plate on Spotify. So
0: Yes, I love this. And I think it's a nice little vibe to end out 2022. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your very busy scheduled chat. I can only imagine what adventures you have planned for the rest of the week and beyond. So I'm very grateful (laughs) to grab you in the moment. Everyone listening, you can grab a look and a listen to all of Colin's amazing work. I will put all the links in today's show notes. And of course, his masterclasses will be coming up. And if you're on the Gold Coast, you may even be able to catch Colin in the wild at a gig or two if he's not behind the camera. So I probably will see you at a gig imminently hopefully but otherwise colin thank you for your time
1: cool easy thanks for having me
0: and that brings us to the end of today's episode of behind the sound check a huge shout out to colin for spending some time you will undoubtedly be seeing a whole lot more from this absolute creative dynamo over the next few months keep up to date with all things colin and 10 of swords media over at colinjeffsmedia.com And for those keen on joining Colin for his Sydney and Melbourne Music Video Masterclasses this November, spaces are very limited for these. Sydney's will take place on the 15th of November and Melbourne's turn is the 17th of November. All the links and the info will be in today's episode's show notes. And for those lucky to attend, you'll also be able to get your hands on Sony's latest cinema line edition, the FX30. When I say get your hands, I mean have a go. You don't get gifted one, but it'll definitely be some spicy camera times ahead. As always, Behind the Soundcheck's theme song is courtesy of Brisbane Legends' Osaka Punch. The track you are hearing is called Hall of Shame, and you can check out more Osaka Punch goodness over at osakapunchofficial.com. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, today brings us up to Episode 7 of Season 2 of Behind the Soundcheck. You can check out all of the previous episodes you may have missed over at www.thesoundcheck.org. And because I love you all and I might be a workaholic and everyone's releasing an album next week, next week I will be dropping two episodes of Behind the Soundcheck featuring one awesome local band and one extremely amazing artist who hails all the way from Canada. Two charts for the price of one next week and they'll both then lead into my final guest the following week. I can't wait to show you who I've got lined up over the next two weeks, so definitely keep an eye out. In the meantime, thank you so much for dropping by. It's been an absolute pleasure to spend a moment in your ears. Have an awesome day, whatever it is you're getting up to. And I will catch you next week for two brand new episodes of Behind the Soundcheck. See you then.